Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 18 of the There Is No Spoon podcast. As per usual, my name is Stephen, and your mission, if you choose to accept it yet again, or perhaps for the very first time, is to join me for a sushi-sized deep dive into a topic loosely based around the concept of moving beyond one's personal psychology, all those ancient worn-out stories you keep telling yourself, waking up to the origin of your internal experience of life, and then creating whatever cool shit in the world that your little heart desires. Now that may seem like a bold statement, and indeed it is. And it may seem to move from simply bold to utter balderdash. That's a great word, isn't it? Haven't heard it in a while, I bet. Side note, long before balderdash meant nonsensical, it meant a disgusting cocktail. Who knew? But now you do. But I digress. As I was saying, it may seem a bit bold when we confirm the topic and title of this here particular episode, the spiritual aspects of naked yoga. Yep, there will be nudity, but as this is just an auditory relationship, you can exercise your autonomy and disrobe or not, to your current comfort level. Naked yoga is a hot new trend, at least among trendy folks in trendy parts of the U.S. At least that's the word on the street. Now, in my never-ending quest to be part of that trendy crowd, I decided to go straight from no yoga and jump right into naked yoga. Sure, I could have at least tried out a couple of the more traditional classes where your fellow peeps have their naughty bits covered, but Screw the middleman. I decided to go balls out. You may have many questions, such as, why would anyone choose to do naked yoga? Is naked yoga just code for orgy? When does everybody strip down? Do the gospel pipes and Winnebagos just flop around everywhere? And finally, and perhaps most importantly, should you make an anal bleaching appointment before your first class? Fear not, for I had these same questions and more and attended several naked yoga classes from two different studios to find out. Now, before we take our proverbial clothes off and get busy, perhaps a few side notes are in order. Side note number one, there is nothing new about naked yoga. As a matter of fact, yogis have been giving the gods the brown eye and downward facing dog since the ancient times. This was especially prominent in the practice of Nagna yoga. Sure, the more puritanical countries have influenced their peeps to cover their junk, but that's not necessarily keeping true to the spirit of yoga. And side note number two, the postures themselves are not yoga. It may come as a surprise, but as I mentioned, I personally hadn't done any yoga prior to my foray into naked yoga but actually that's not totally accurate. I've been doing yoga now for almost three decades, just not the physical postures or the asanas. So you might be thinking, what the hell do I mean? Despite what many people throughout the US and Europe may think, yoga is not just twisting yourself into a pretzel or doing headstands. As a matter of fact, the asanas are actually a very small percentage of what constitutes the eight-limb system of yoga. 
Technically speaking, I suppose it's one-eighth. The first two limbs of yoga are the yamas and the niyamas, and they're all about purification and renunciation. Things like compassion, truthfulness, non-stealing, sense control, and non-possessiveness. And then discipline, contentment, self-study, and spirituality. It should be self-evident why most people these days would choose to skip these initial steps and leapfrog to limb number three, the physical asanas. And then limbs number four through eight are basically more advanced meditation techniques. The truth is that the most important benefit to be derived from the physical asanas is to be able to sit in meditation for prolonged periods of time. But wait, you ask. What about getting toned and ripped and showing off all your expensive yoga gear? Well, more on that in a minute. First, let's look at the benefits of naked yoga versus clothed yoga. From the research I've done, there haven't been any funded scientific studies on the benefits of naked yoga specifically. One could reasonably conclude that the numerous health and emotional benefits that have been studied for yoga in general would also apply when doing it wearing only a smile. These would include, of course, flexibility, strength, deeper breathing, meditative states, to name just a few. The real question is, does naked yoga have any additional benefits compared to clothed yoga? After speaking with several instructors and seasoned students, it became apparent that a big draw for many people is to gain a greater appreciation and love for their bodies. Negative body image disorders seem to be rampant throughout the U.S., and are increasing in other parts of the world as well. Some studies report that up to 8 out of 10 women are unhappy with their bodies, and as many as half of them have a distorted view of how they actually look. Although men do seem to fare a bit better in their self-evaluations, the percentage of men who are unhappy about their bodies is also reported to be on the rise. Now, you may think that for someone with a negative body image, Stripping down in a room full of strangers might just be the most horrifying idea ever. And many students admitted that indeed, horror was their first instinctive thought when they heard about it. However, like so many things in life, the idea of something can vary greatly from the actual experience of it. A little outside-in misunderstanding, if you will. What people consistently reported was that after the initial disrobing and the subsequent, although short-lived, panic, they were shocked to find a peaceful ease to the whole scene. This was explained by one woman as being able to see real human bodies, as opposed to the fake airbrushed images that bombard us all the time through the media, and that, beneath our clothes, we're all naked. This can create a sense of connectedness and compassion for others, and perhaps even for oneself. There's no shortage of yoga poses that, when done in the buff, leave you feeling exposed. And I imagine this could be a good thing, because when you can perform the happy baby pose in a room full of people, naked, and not give a shit, well, then you own your body. Rock on. I believe this speaks to the Differentiation that I make, not that it's at all an official or definitive distinction, 
between awareness and self-consciousness. As one's level of awareness increases, as your understanding about your human internal experience deepens, you gain a sense of connectedness to other people and the world around you. On the other foot, to be self-conscious, that is to be focused on your little s self, if you like, is to be comparing yourself to others, to constantly be asking the question, how am I doing? I'd like to talk about the freedom of naked yoga. Apart from any body image issues, naked yoga does seem to offer an overall sense of freedom. As I mentioned, I started with naked yoga, but then I attended several clothed yoga classes so I could experience the difference, if any. In order to be as consistent as possible, I went to classes taught by the same two instructors who led the naked yoga classes. It seems that Many yoga teachers hold classes at several different studios throughout the city with only a handful allowing naked yoga. As I report back from the field, I've got to tell you that I did feel a greater sense of openness and freedom sans clothing. It's challenging to put this subjective feeling into words, but it was pronounced and I guess I'd say refreshing. There's also an anti- materials element of naked yoga. And that was my personal draw to naked yoga, the aspect of anti-materialism inherent in nude activities in general and in spiritual pursuits in particular. Nakedness has a long history in some of the ascetic traditions of various world traditions. And during my graduate studies in comparative religions, I became enthralled with Jainism. What initially intrigued me was their extreme stance on ahimsa, or nonviolence. Later, I came to appreciate their ascetic practices, both because of their diligent stance, as well as the deep spiritual meaning and significance underlying them. Still to this day, in some parts of the world, if you see a dude wandering around naked with no possessions, there's a chance that he's a sadhu, one who has renounced the material world for spiritual pursuits. This is a path that I greatly respect, although I've come to believe isn't absolutely necessary. But I'm often wrong about most things, so the jury is still out. If you haven't noticed, yoga has become big business in first world countries. In the U.S. alone, one study found that Americans spend over $16 billion, with a freaking B, dollars a year on yoga classes, clothing, and gear. And since we're talking about naked yoga, let's focus on the clothing element for a moment. From what experienced yoginis tell me, it's commonplace for women in particular to wear $200 to $300 worth of specialty yoga clothing to a group class, and many of them have several such outfits. Designer labels abound, the most inane being Lululemon. Lulu is so easy to pick on, not only because they're one of the biggest and most overpriced, but also because, despite their brilliant marketing, they're probably the least yoga-like company on the planet. Now, I'm not one for ranting, or so I tell myself, so if you're interested as to why I'm shitting on Lulu, do a bit of Googling for Lulu and Child Labor Sweatshops. Lulu, racist humor in the naming of the company, 
and Lulu and their obsession with Atlas Shrugged, just to get you started. For many people, their style and choice of clothing is just signaling or a way to differentiate themselves from others. Differentiation is a method of further solidifying the illusion of separation between other people and all of nature. Clothes make the man, or woman, so they say. So what is left when all the clothes are forsaken? Remember, we're all naked under our clothes. Oh, it just occurred to me that I might have missed directly answering some of my initial questions, so here goes. Why would anyone choose to do naked yoga? I think I covered that one. Is naked yoga just code for an orgy? Well, not in my experience, but you never know, so do your research and your mileage may vary. When do you strip down? Well, everyone got naked at the beginning of class when the instructor said, okay, let's get naked. Do the gospel pipes and Winnebagos just flop around everywhere? Yep, in some poses more than others. And finally, should you make an annual bleaching appointment before your first class? Well, that one is optional. I chose to do so, but primarily as material for an upcoming book project. And that, believe it or not, is a wrap for this episode and for the first season of There Is No Spoon podcast. It's been a blast. At least it has been for me. And I do hope the feeling is at least partially mutual. I'll be taking a short hiatus for what is the holiday season here in the U.S. And then I promise to jump back into the proverbial crack and continue to ramble on and on and on without ever really saying anything for as long as you, dear listeners, humor me by tuning in. Until next time, namaste, which means... The buck-naked divinity within me recognizes the naked she-devil in you, or something like that. And, of course, there is no spoon. It's not spoons that bend, it's you. Be swell, and stay bendy, my friends. <laughs>